Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here. Today is Wednesday, 2021, August 25th. Sorry, I had a little lapse. I thought today was Tuesday. I took, a, took the weekend off, took a little vacay. Uh, sorry I didn't do a podcast or anything. I was like, let's do it. And then I started getting on vacation, and then I was like, let's just relax. So I did that instead. I watched the fights, though, so I will have that to talk about. Um, Other than that, I will break down a little bit. uh, Yeah, I'll break down. uh, uh, I think they're. Yeah, I'll break down the fights this weekend, and then we'll call it a day. This will be your episode of the week. Uh, Remember, SouthernScrapNation.com. Check it out. If you're in Charlotte and you want some private lessons in kickboxing, jujitsu, or mixed martial arts, come check me out. I'm here in Charlotte. You can also, uh, I've got a whole gym getting a sauna this week. So if you join up, membership up, you'll have access to a personal sauna, infrared. It's cool as shit. Um, anyway, so we'll go over this weekend's UFC Cannoneer versus Gastelum fight. And then we'll get into this weekend's Barbosa versus Chikese fight. And in the co-main event, we've got Brian Battle. A Charlotte local, Charlottonian, down the road from me. Um, training partner sometimes in jiu-jitsu. Um, he's going against Gilbert Urbina. Uh, he was supposed to be going against Treshawn Gore. Treshawn got injured, and so Gilbert Urbina, another Team Volkanovsky partner, is stepping in. He lost to Treshawn Gore, so he steps in. And faces Brian Battle. Brian's six and one, and Gilbert is six and two. Uh, all right, so let's go over see if there's any news because also this weekend we've got Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Hell yes. Um, Jake Paul put out some cool merch the other day. If he beats Tyron Woodley, I will be picking up me a pair of something. Maybe that uh, sleeveless hoodie thing looks pretty cool. Um, so Jake Paul's fighting Tyron Woodley this weekend. We could break it down all day, but the main point of the show, or of yeah, of the show this weekend, it's a show. But if if J- Jake Paul has legitimately been training boxing, like strict boxing, Tyron Woodley obviously was a former UFC welterweight champion. But he's at the end of a career, four-fight losing streak, da-da-da-da-da. We've all heard it. Um, Jake Paul's bigger, longer reach. He's in it. He's hungry. He's hired all the best people. I don't... I, I'd like Tyron Woodley to win because, you know, MMA champion should beat a guy who's only fought NBA players and a guy who's never had a striking match in his, or who never, you know, took striking as his thing at all. Um, and Ben Askren, like terrible striker, didn't do it at any, at, for any reason unless he was on the ground. Jake's hungrier. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. He, he hits. I, I'm going to go with Woodley on just the logical chance that a guy with that much fight experience should beat 
a guy with little fight experience. But shit, man. Who knows? Who knows? Like I said, Monday I could in my shopping cart have that sleeveless hoodie. And I I don't hope he wins, but it's a win-win situation for me. I either get a sleeveless hoodie or Tyler Woodley wins. Um, Dustin Poirier unfazed by Conor McGregor's latest attacks. I'm just living rent-free. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He knocked out Conor McGregor, so. And then he, you know, broke his leg or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. I, just heal up. I, for me, the Conor thing, whatever. I could care less at this point. I hate that. I mean, Kevin Lee, another guy. And the same thing with Patty Pimlet. Like, I like Patty Pimlet's personality. I think it's cool. He's talking shit. Like, that's what you want. You want the mindset that, you know, I can beat any of these guys. He thinks he can beat Khabib. He thinks he can beat Conor McGregor. Like, that's what you want. But why are you talking about two people who, like, you're not going to fight? And the same thing with Kevin Lee. Laments missing out on Khabib fight. He never really fought a great run. It's like, who cares at this point? Who cares? Focus on you. Quit talking about people that, at this point, it's you're not going to get the fight with them. You're not. You're not going to get their fight. Khabib's not coming out of retirement. And fucking Connor, if he has any fights left in him, they're all booked up, right? He's got his fights for the rest of his life booked up. And none of them are Kevin Lee or Patty Pimblett or Nate. There maybe Khabib if he comes back for that particular fight. Dustin, I guess. Maybe Jorge Mazadal. I don't know. He's the only one that could bring money to the table. If Connor beats Nate again, then he could fight Jorge. See, that's it. That's all there's left. That's it. Um, Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, November 6th, signed. Nico Price versus Chol- or versus Cowboy Oliveira, signed, October 2nd. Um, uh, 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 uh. Let's see. Anyway. Uh, Chris Montonio is back. Um, God damn it. Justin Gaethje has much better wrestling credentials than Kevin Lee. Just saying. Hey, there we go. And that's why you shouldn't care or say things about people that are irrelevant now. Alistair Overeem versus... Um, Alistair Overeem versus Rico Verhoeven for the kick, Glory Kickboxing World Championship. I mean, shout outs to Alistair Overeem just jumping the line like that and getting a Glory Heavyweight World Champion. That probably doesn't pay that. Probably pays like six figures, but as much as like what he was getting paid for non-championship fights and stuff. Um, the only other news to come from this is Alistair Overeem <laughs> when asked about WWE. Um, when asked about Lesnar, it's because he beat Brock Lesnar, you know, WWE heavyweight dude. Um, he used dismissive language. Overeem is just being a cool guy. 
quote. The thing is with that whole wrestling thing, I watched it when I was nine, eight, nine, ten years old. Said Overeem, who faces kickboxing's greatest heavyweight world champion in the world, right? He's facing arguably the GOAT of the heavyweight division. He is one of the greatest kickboxers in the world himself. He's a man of combat. He's a man that actually fights. He's not a WWE heavyweight whatever. So to him, he sees bloodshed. He sees combat. He sees one-on-one strict art of violence. So pardon his not-so-PC use of words. You go through the same shit he's been through, and then you can maybe tiptoe over the words you use. Don't sit here and get on a high horse on one of the greatest kickboxing entertainers of and combat sports athletes of all time. Sorry, he's a real-ass dude. Fucking Hulk Hogan, or quote, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, huge fans of those guys. Honky Tonk Man. Great, fun. He knows more WWE stars than I do. He seems like a legit fan. Uh, great, funny. Andre the Giant. I stopped watching after that, so I'm not watching since 1992, 1993, 1994. And arguably, in the eyes of a lot of WWE stars, this is unquote, a lot of WWE stars, the greatest era. So then, quote, and just recently I started looking at it again on YouTube, and oh my God, this stuff is lame. It's just lame what these guys are doing. It's fake. It's lame. It's stupid. It's gay. It doesn't make any sense, unquote. Okay, so he used the word it's gay. Can't say that anymore. I guess not. But that being said, he comes from a time where it just means lame and stupid and whatever. Empathetically, yes is hurtful in the ears of those people, the the gay community, and it's offensive in that way. I understand. However, his demographic is not that. His demographic's us, guys, people who watch combat sports. Maybe some, like, a very small majority of women. Is it something to get freaked out about? No, dude. Like, I don't... I don't know. What what are we even doing? What are we doing, man? What are we even doing here? Why are we even having this conversation? And the fact that MMA journalism is, like, pushing the woke narrative, you guys are lame. Like, you all are lame. Lame. It's not what it used to be. It's not. And, hey, and, hey, and you want to argue, well, it's not what it used to be, and can you say it's better? No, it's not. It's way worse, actually. This is one of those situations where it's worse. It was cooler, and now it's just casuals. It's casuals. Even the people that work in journalism are casuals. And it's literally watered down the product and made it way worse. It's oversaturated. There's way too many fighters. You're getting the same of everything every weekend. It doesn't get any better. The better places are on Bellator and and other organizations where fighters have, quote-unquote, financial and sponsorship freedom. And on other organizations across the globe where they have a different audience and a way bigger audience. And they really don't give a shit about that other stuff, right? Like One and Ryzen, like those things. Eventually, people are going to start coming to terms. And this whole rant and soapbox 
goes right into this weekend's pass card because we found we find ourselves with Jared Cannonier having a win over Kevin Gaslam. Kevin Gaslam now being five and one in his last fights, losing to all the top contenders of the middleweight division. Give me one he hasn't lost to. On top of the champion himself, he's not fighting Marvin Vittori. They best of friends. Maybe they're not best friends, whatever, but they train together. They're not fighting each other. Um, all of that on top of that. Kelvin Gastelum is in a, which I don't know, because he is an ultimate fighting championship, like, winner. So I don't know what his contract looks like. It could be six fights, six fights, six fights, or whatever, how many he made from... However many contracts he has from the Ultimate Fighter, I don't know if they, like, I don't know. I'm not his managing group. I don't know. I don't know what his contract looks like. I digress. Kevin Lee. Kelvin Lee is one of those guys, or Kelvin Gaslam, sorry. Kelvin Gaslam is one of those guys who there is, I mean, I guess you could work your way back into fighting the top contenders again, but he's in one of those positions where it's like, leave and go fight in Bellator if you have the option if you or fight out of your contract or find a way or retire I don't know it's up to you but point being he can lead a ship of fighters that are not necessarily the older group like the Overeems and you know the guys who are clinching on to the last few good two years of their career and make some big money you're talking about a guy who can maybe finish out his career in another organization, like a Gegard Musasi, and see the success that Gegard has. I mean, he's living it up right now. And Kelvin's one of the, uh, Kelvin. Kelvin is on the same. You know, he's a guy that could go in there and be like, "I want to fight Gegard." What's his other option? He cuts weight. This far into his career, he's going to go back down to one seventy. Don't think so. And he ain't going up to light heavyweight. So for me, I feel like being this guy where you can be this flagship of either fight fight out your contract, two pass, fight out your contract, call it a day. Or you can keep fighting for the UFC. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense at all logically. Or if your contract's over, somewhere else test the waters like Rory McDonald like all these other guys try to be be that inspiration for the younger guys to the ones that are thinking Bellator UFC quick success quick eyes oversaturated content or pay me what I'm worth and also sponsorship freedom get groomed a little bit with not as tough of competition. They're not going to feed you the wolves. Get that combat experience. Build a brand. You know, community, not community college, actually. More just like going to university and then going pro. I mean, it's kind of like that. Kind of going to college and then you can go UFC. You know, you see it. Constant success. Jerry Prohoshka, he's he's like, I'll fight whenever. Because he's got all this invested money from his time before. Where now you have Jared Cannonier. I'm, I'm segue killing it today. 
Jared Cannonier, a guy who had a broken forearm in his last fight against Robert Whitaker, wins this fight, has surgery, comes back probably a little bit too soon. There's nothing wrong. I mean, he's fine. But, you know, his doctor probably not like, you should go back and fight, like, not that long after. And in turn, you know, he's he on the mic going, I'm broke. This man is top five competitor in middleweight, and he broke. He's broke. Future UFC fighters, top competitor is broke. The signs are there. The ship is going down. may not go down, down, but it's one of those things. It's like they're hemorrhaging. He can't pay his bill. Like, he, what? how is he broke? Right? How? Oh, but he should have another job. He's a professional fighter. He's broke. Oh my god. I, and I mean he may have a family and stuff like that and you don't see it and you know even even more even a way more sad case if that's the case. But it seems like he's a single guy and he's just broke cuz of medical bills. Also fuck our healthcare system if that's the case. But even on top of that, you know, he's not getting any medical or whatever. I, I'm not going to say it again because it'll probably be the title of this podcast, but, you know, he said his piece. He did. It was a good back and forth contest between the two of them. Uh, it's up to round one how you saw it, who the champ, who wins the fight. I'm always going to lean more towards Jared Kennedy had a, a significant knockdown in the third round. Second, second round, third round. Significant knockdown in that round. Uh, I know Kelvin jumped right back to his feet, but a lesser man would have stayed down. So to me, it's still a 10-8 um, for that round. So anyway, Clay Guida versus Mark Madsen. It's a stat of Clay. Well, it says here that Clay didn't throw as much. Mark Madsen was pressing the whole time. Seems like he was throwing more. I. It was a very... It was a very close fight, but like I said, Olympic mentality, the whole time Mark Madsen looked like he was winning. Like he may have been taking the bigger shots, but he just looked like he was winning. All right, he's walking forward. He was still hitting him. He was controlling the fight and the pace. He may have taken some big shots, but, you know, they're still in a fight, like, Okay, <laughs> like he took some shots, but he still hit him more. So, um, and obviously they don't have numbers in front of him, but, you know. So then the Porker, Porter Porter fight versus Chase Sherman. I had high hopes for the Chase, I had high hopes for Chase Sherman, but Park, Parker Porter looked athletic. He looked like he put in the work and strength conditioning wise, and he looked great. He went out there, you know, got one takedown and just, just looked like he, he wanted to be there. Chase didn't seem like he wanted to be there. Um, Kakamarov from Uzbekistan got a close submission guillotine against Trevin Jones. Wow. Um, you know, it was a back back and forth kind of fight. Trevin Jones controlled him against the cage. 
almost stall-like position, but eventually he got that nice ninja choke on him, and uh, hell yeah. Was in Uzbekistan, got the late call, weighed in too heavy, had to take 20% off his purse, even though he, even though he took a late-nose fight? Question mark? Um, but anyway, yeah. Vince Pichel from hell getting a unanimous decision over Austin Hubbard, like I said, with the veteran mentality. Um, and then Alexander Pantoja versus Brendan Royval submission over Brendan Royval in his own veteran mentality way and just overall technical tenacity and acumen better than Brendan Royval who hasn't been doing as long so um, yeah the only other one is the Ignacio Bahamundes check that fight out Hell yeah, what a kickboxing match, and what a finish. Like, 10 seconds left to go in a spinning wheel kick against Roosevelt Roberts. He was hitting him with spinning body kicks, spinning... So he was, like, trying to hit him with spinning head kicks, and then he went to the body and hurt him, and then threw spinning body kick to the head... Or spinning body kick, and then he just... 10 seconds left, man. Roosevelt Roberts was scooting to the right, and hit him with the... He was in, ortho, or in the traditional stance, and then spinning back kicked him. Spinning back... Spinning wheel kick, making it the 10th spinning wheel kick in UFC history. Knocked him out clean. Boom. All right, what a breakdown. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's what I got for those fights. Um, This weekend, we got Edson Barbosa versus Giga Jacasey. I love this fight. This fight is what needed to happen, right? We have Edson Barbosa, one of the most... One of the most entertaining kickboxers in MMA. I mean, the pioneer of the spinning wheel kick. I think first one to throw, the first one to land in UFC history against Terry Edom will be forever ingrained in MMA history. I mean, beautiful Taekwondo background. Killed it at light or lightweight. And then Taekwondo and Muay Thai background. And then he decided, you know what? I can do featherweight. And he's been cutting down the featherweight and looking phenomenal. He's won. He knocked out Shane Burgess in his last fight on the third round where he, you know, was back and forth. And Shane is a big 145-er. And it showed Edson's physicality also matches in 145. So you can be the biggest motherfucker there and Shane Burgos, and it don't matter. He stayed, he stayed in his face, hit him some crisp left left combos just... Shane's a very good kickboxer. And then Edson's even better than he is. But then Jacasey is technically even better than Edson is because he was the professional glory kickboxing champion, right? So technically, he's better. But, but, so he's on a two-fight win streak. He lost to Dan Ige, yeah, in a close fight on his debut Right, but then he went on to beat Makwan Amirakani and Shane Burgos. So now he's getting future contender, top contender, and Giga Jacasey, who's coming off of a real quick win of Cub Swanson. Cub being a vet in his own right, um, was more of an unorthodox striker. So Giga kind of hit him with the. Oh, he was never glory champion? Oh, he was just a comp- he just competed in glory? Never mind. Um, 
boom. He just hit him with a traditional Giga kick to the uh, to liver and called it. Um, but, I mean, kickboxing record, total wins 44. He's only got six losses. He's got 22 wins by knockout. Let's see. Yeah, I guess, never mind. I guess he never won. Yeah, I guess he never won. Uh, hmm. Yeah, he lost to Kevin Van Nostrand. Cool. All right. Anyway, so now you have those two competing. Uh, as far as stats go, Giga's a bit taller at six foot and has doesn't have the reach. I feel like this is a good showcase for Giga to to come out and kind of put on a on a show of what kickboxing is, right? Edson's very good at Muay Thai, but as soon as he gets put on the back foot, if you a box with if you box with him, you'll you'll suffer the fate of leg kicks. But if you're technically aware that the leg kicks are there, and you yourself are a kickboxer, i.e. Paul Felder and some of these other guys um, that he goes to war, that he can go to war with. But they can, you know. Hold on, let me find another kickboxer. Yeah, like Michael Johnson. Paul Felder is probably my best example. Like, Paul Felder and Giga Jacasey aren't on the same level. Giga's better than Paul Felder is, technically. So I feel like if Giga can just, you know, set traps, have Edson kind of shoot himself out, um, Giga's just going to be there. And he's going to switch stances. He's going to fight <clears throat> from south and north, or from south, Paul, and orthodox. And uh, Edson, having a good coach in American Top Team, it doesn't bridge the gap. Like, Giga's just going to do things different. I think that kickboxing acumen versus a kickboxer, especially the Georgian, man. The Georgians are killing it right now. I think he's just going to... I think he's just going to be able to... I don't know if we're going to get a knockout from Giga in this case, but I think we are going to get just like what happens when you get a kickboxer versus an MMA fighter in striking a guy with a lot of movement and then the guy with more calculated traditional movement. And that will always win. Um, well, not always, but typically. Let's see. Fight. So... Giga is a very slight favorite. Very, no? Yeah, very slight favorite. Wait. Am I right? Um, anyway, so the co-main event. I can't, I mean, I...
Studios a favor by very, very slight numbers. So it's not even worth. But anyway, Brian Battle versus Gilbert Urbina. I'm not even going to, like, give a breakdown. Brian's going to win this fight. His pace, his confidence in himself, it's right time. He's going to go in there, put a pace on Gilbert that he hasn't felt as far as striking goes in that better weight. And he's just going to beat him mentally. Brian, by decision, um, slash, I just got just got my boy Brian. There's nothing more to it. Ricky Tercios versus Brady Handstand. Uh, hands, high stand. Um, Ricky, I, I like his fighting style. Once again, he's a martial artist, but he's also got the heart. Ricky all day. That's why he's the favorite. Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. You got Kevin Lee, the favorite, at 150 versus Daniel Rodriguez. Dude, I your underdog right here is going to be Daniel Rodriguez all day. Kevin Lee in a three-round fight is very dangerous because he doesn't have to worry about those two extra rounds, and he can kind of just go for it. But I feel Daniel Rodriguez is just going to be a bigger guy. He's going to stop those takedowns or threaten with a submission. Um, and I think his boxing is what's going to be the big difference. I think he just has rocks in his hands. Kevin Lee used to be a 155-er. He used to make it, whether or not you want to. Daniel Rodriguez has never made 155. He does not plan on making 155. So I like Daniel Rodriguez in this fight. Um, also, Kevin Lee, before Reebok, got to take into consideration his his combat, his combat uh, age. Right? As far as... Actually, still fights. 18 and 6. Daniel Rodriguez is 15 and 2. I love the Mahmed Muradov versus Gerald Mershart fight because it's another showcase for Mahmoud Muradov. Uh, the, only ty- uh, the only money team fighter under Floyd Mayweather for MMA, I think. I think he's from Kazakhstan. Uh, if Gerald Mershart got sparked by... Chimaev, and I know the it's a, the fear of the takedown. He's going to get sparked by Mahmoud. Mahmoud's just got way better hands. And uh, I think he lost his last fight. No, he won. He, K- uh, he KO'd Andrew Sanchez. Yeah. I mean, this dude's on a, yeah. this dude's on a w- nice win streak. So, yeah. Mahmoud. Oh, actually, he's not from Canada. He's from... Uzbek, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. All right. Alessio Di Drico versus Abdul Razak Alasan. I like that fight. Alessio, if anything, man, he can. He just fought a super explosive fighter in Joaquin Buckley, knocked him out. He could do the same thing here. But Abdul's got to show the company something because he's on a losing streak. Yeah. Three-fight losing streak. He's got to show something. All right. That's pretty much it. Uh, So, yeah. I've got Giga Jacasey, which I'm crazy making that bet, but I can't believe we're here making that bet. I got Giga Jacasey, Brian Battle, my boy, Ricky, Daniel Rodriguez as your underdog, and Mahmoud Muradov. Other than that, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, oh, look at that. Brian Battle on BJPen.com. 
he'll overwhelm Gilbert Urbina uh, and route to finish. Yeah, there you go. Told you. He's going to put a pace on him. All righty, Dan. Hope you guys enjoy your week. I hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. And until next time, stay safe. Peace.